today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Greater wisdom even than Solomon is standing before you. The Son of God was in their midst, and they continued to reject it. They missed it. They tried to remain uh, you know, behind that facade of religious devotion, but Jesus saw the rottenness of these buildings that were behind that facade. The truth is, even if Jesus performed another sign, you think that they would have said, okay, now we believe? No, well, that was pretty good. Now try another one. Well, okay, that's a pretty good sign. Now, can you give me another one? Uh, okay, that's fine. but. Can we have one more? I think they would have always wanted more in the physical because it wasn't impacting them in the spiritual. Jesus always confronted the religious leaders for their unbelief. Abraham, who they claimed as father, was justified by faith. Yet when Jesus came to fulfill the scriptures, they continued to reject him and refused to receive him by faith. As we get into today's teaching with Pastor David, we'll consider the religious people who continued to challenge his identity and authority as Messiah. Jesus, the Son of God, was in their midst, yet they would not believe what they saw and heard with their very eyes. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, A Dark Facade of Religion. Most of us know what a facade is. A facade, usually uh, it, it's the face of a building. It's an outward appearance that pretty well hides everything that's behind us. Uh, more often than not, a facade is given to hide a more unpleasant reality or truth that's behind that facade. A facade masks that reality that, that usually is only known by the person that, is, that has built the facade or some that also know the truth that's behind the facade. Now, because facades mask the truth, there's a lot of buildings that use those kinds of things, and a lot of times we're really glad that they have a facade. You have a, an area in a downtown with a lot of rundown buildings. Well, it's kind of nice uh, if they put up a facade to make everything look either uh, a little bit more modern or bring everything into kind of a general idea and theme. Sometimes we really enjoy facades, say, particularly we go to a place like Disneyland, okay? I mean, can you imagine really Disneyland without the facades? You know, uh, Main Street just would not be the same. If they took all that down, it'd just be a bunch of buildings, would not have quite the impact. Sometimes we enjoy facades, but the problem is, is too many times people put facades up in their own lives to where they're hiding the reality and the truth that's in them. We see this a lot as we're going through Scripture, and we're in the book of Luke today. I invite you to take your Bibles, look at Luke chapter 11 as we continue on in our study. The Pharisees and the religious rulers of the day of Jesus, they were, they were masters at building these personal facades. 
They didn't want anybody. They didn't allow anyone to see beyond that facade, a facade that they were hoping and designed to fool the people. And they were also hoping that it would even fool God. But the problem is, is God sees beyond the facade, doesn't he? Yeah, there's nothing that's hidden from him. Well, as we're in Luke chapter 8, we're down in verse 29 now, as we're going verse by verse through the gospel according to Luke. And here Jesus continues speaking to his disciples. He speaks to the crowds that are around him. And yes, he's even speaking to the the Pharisees, the religious rulers that have come to, to listen to him. And they're listening intently to him because they want to catch him. They want to catch him in some way that they can bring charges against him. So in Luke chapter 11, verse 29, we read these words, 11:29. And while the crowds were thickly gathered together, he, being Jesus, began to say, this is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. For as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation." You know, it's from chapter 11 here in Luke on through chapter 18 that we find that Luke uh, uses a whole lot of the teachings of Jesus, just one after another, after another, after another. We have this multitude of teachings of Jesus to the crowds of people that continued to follow him. Luke groups them pretty much together. Here in Luke 11, we, we understand that back in verse 16, someone had actually asked him for a sign, they asked Jesus for a sign to validate or to verify that he really was sent from God, that he really did have the power of God. But if you've been with us for the last couple of weeks, or if you know this section of Scripture, you know that Jesus had just, prior to that, released a man from demonic possession. And you look at that, this guy was filled with a demon. Jesus came, spoke the word, the demon removed from the man, the man became whole, actually began to speak again, and they're still looking for a sign. That wasn't sign enough that he was of God and and the power of God worked in him. It's not real clear in the context as to who Jesus is speaking here in Luke, but we know that in Matthew's report of the same event, Jesus is directing these words right here about being an evil generation seeking a sign. He's directing them actually to the Pharisees and to the leaders of the Jews at this point in time. And you need to understand that this is not a word of praise to these guys in any way, shape, or form. This is an evil generation that demands or wants a sign. You see, these guys, these, these spiritual leaders, they were, they were spiritually dull. And I don't mean that they uh, didn't have a good time. I meant that they were dull. They did not get the things of the Spirit. They had already set up this facade in their life, this facade of religious experience, this facade of religious uh, uh, guidelines within their lives that, that didn't impact their hearts at all. Their facade didn't go within them at all. It was all on the outside. And being that way, you and I, we need to understand, man, that is extremely serious portion of a situation to get ourselves in such a way that we have built this exterior facade of religious activity or religious devotion, and yet it doesn't really impact or affect us on the inside. There's a lot of immediate consequences to that kind of lifestyle, but there is more extreme 
eternal consequences to those choices, to those doubters, to those that build up for themselves these spiritual facades. And Jesus lays it right on the line. He says, this is an evil generation. It seeks a sign. And then he says, and no sign is going to be given you except the sign of Jonah the prophet. Now, again, in Matthew's gospel account of this event, Jesus declares a little bit more. He brings out a little bit more. He says, no sign is going to be given except Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Not only were they an evil generation, but earlier in that same passage, Matthew says, you're an evil generation and you're an adulterous situation. What do you mean by adulterous? Well, they were seeking something else other than God in their lives. And just as God has called Israel as his bride, they were being unfaithful to their devotion to God and seeking other things within their lives. Their desire was for the physical and for a a tangible sign rather than a work of faith going on in their lives. And within that facade, they pretended to have a spiritual answer in their lives. But the reality was, is they were living without faith. And the Word of God says that without faith, it's really hard to please God. Isn't that what it says? That's not what it says. It says without faith, it is what, church? Impossible to please God. Impossible. And these guys were not men of faith. They had this religious exterior And all they wanted was the tangible, the physical. They did not live their lives in faith. But for right now, as we look here in Luke, let's go back to the teaching. Uh, When when Jesus uses that reference to Jonah, I I believe that Jesus has a couple of reasons for that. In, In Jonah, the sign that they're going to see is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. The fact that he's going to be buried and he's going to be risen from the dead. That's going to be the sign that they'll have. The crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ. An undeniable sign or or a testament that he really is the Messiah of Israel. You want me to give you a sign that I'm the Messiah? You'll see the sign. Just like Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so will I be. Secondly, we see this whole idea of the repentance of the Ninevites. These Ninevites, as Jonah came and and preached to them, he said, man, very quickly, just in a few days, judgment is going to come upon you. And all of a sudden, they heard Jonah's message, and they realized and they recognized the truth. And so what did the Ninevites do? They repented automatically and very quickly. They understood the truth of what Jonah's message was speaking. They received the truth, and then they responded to the truth. Jesus then proceeds to give them another illustration, another illustration of, of the fault that they had by requiring a sign. Look, look at verse 31. He says, the queen of the south is going to rise in judgment with the men of this generation and, and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And indeed, a, a greater than Solomon is here. And He goes on to say that the men of Nineveh, they're going to rise up with judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And indeed, a greater than Jonah is here. In reference to the queen of the south, where he is speaking of the queen of Sheba that came to visit Solomon in his days that we read about. And, and again, she either came from Arabia or some believe that perhaps down in Ethiopia. But a great distance she traveled because she knew that Solomon had the truth. 
Solomon had the truth of God's word, and so she came to visit Solomon to receive from him. And so we see she desired the truth, and she went to great extremes to find it. Whereas for these Pharisees, no, they continued to hide the truth behind the facade of their religious experience or their their religious standing or their uh, uh, standing as the Pharisees. The lesson for the Pharisees, the lesson for these Jewish leaders was pretty clear. Truth. The very wisdom of God was now standing right before them. When he says a greater than Solomon is here, he doesn't mean a greater man than Solomon. No, a greater the wisdom portion of Solomon. He says the wisdom of God is right here. A greater wisdom even than Solomon is standing before you. The Son of God was in their midst and they continued to reject it. They missed it. They tried to remain uh, you know, behind that facade of religious devotion, but Jesus saw the rottenness of these buildings that were behind that facade. The truth is, even if Jesus performed another sign, you think that they would have said, okay, now we believe? No, well, that was pretty good. Now try another one. Well, okay, that's a pretty good sign. Now, can you give me another one? Uh, okay, that's fine, but can we have one more? I think they would have always wanted more in the physical because it wasn't impacting them in the spiritual. They wanted to see something tangible because they didn't want to walk in faith. We look and see another important factor about when we consider this idea of the Ninevites and the Queen of Sheba. Guess what? Both of these groups were Gentiles. These were Gentiles. They heard the message of God. They responded to that message. They were willing to receive, they were willing to accept the truth, more so than the Pharisees, while Jesus stood right before them. That's why these Jewish leaders, they're going to stand in greater judgment, because the truth was there, and it's being given to them, and they continue to reject it. Now, here's just a word of warning for you. You're here today for whatever reason you've come today to be under the teaching of the Word of God. Hopefully, you've come with a, with a devotion, a true devotion to God in your life. Hopefully, you didn't come today with a facade of religious devotion with nothing really going on in your heart because you know what? Every time that you're under the teaching of the Word of God, you're responsible for that teaching. You are responsible for the word of truth being put into your life. Do you receive it? Do you respond to it? Or do you continue on with a facade of religious devotion? Again, they had heard the message over and over. They continued to reject it. And Jesus is saying, the men of Nineveh and the queen of the south are going to bear witness against them on the day of judgment. Jesus then goes on to give them another practical lesson from daily life. Look at verse 33. He says, no one, when he's lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand that those who come in may see the light. Can you imagine the ridiculousness of this? lighting a light and then quickly putting it under a basket so that the light doesn't shine. Uh, turning on a light, but then covering over really quick so that why even light the light? That's what Jesus is saying. And then he says, verse 34, the lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, whenever your eye is good, your, your whole body also is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body also is full of darkness. What is it, the desire of your heart? What's the desire of your heart? For the things of God or the things of this world? What are you open to? Are you open to hear and to receive from God? 
If you're open to receive, if your eye, your heart, your understanding is open to receive the good things of God and the truth of God, then that light is going to come in and it'll light from the inside then. Then it will impact. But if your eye, if your heart, your desire is evil, no, I don't want the things of God. I want the things of this world. I want the, I want the interest in, of, of my flesh. I want the deceitfulness of the enemy. I want those things. Then the very inside, that means everything is going to be dark within you. That's why he says in verse 35, therefore take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light as when the bright shining of a lamp gives you light. It's interesting to see how often the word of God and even Christ himself are illustrated by the idea and the thought of light. Light demonstrates, it it describes the very life of the spirit that you and I ought to be living. We've seen it in a lot of occasions. We see the concept in the Old Testament, the illustration in the Old Testament. Psalmist declares in Psalm 119, he says, your word is a a lamp unto my feet, a, a light to my path. A little bit later, still in Psalm 119, he says, the entrance of your words give light, and it gives understanding to the simple. How many can testify of that? Amen? (laughs) Gives understanding to the simple. Prophetic words of of Isaiah, uh, Isaiah chapter 9, a very familiar verse to many of you. Uh, He says that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Beloved, whenever and wherever God's word, God's truth comes in, it brings in light, and that light reveals truth. That truth has to be received internally in order for it to really have an effect in our lives. If the light shines, the truth of God shines toward our life. We hear it, we understand it, but we don't respond to it and we don't allow it to impact our life, then we actually become worse off than we were before because now we've rejected the very truth that has been made known to us. But once we receive that truth, once we allow it to come into our lives and our lives begin to be changed and conformed to the very image of Christ, once that happens, that truth being received internally, it affects our lives and the light of the gospel comes in and the facades of our lives begin to crumble down and crumble away because then truth is revealed. Does that mean that then we'll be absolutely perfect in everything? No, that means that we're open to God's work and change in our life. We're open to being honest toward each other. We can then grow in our relationships with each other because we're not trying to deceive each other. We're not trying to trick each other. We're able to grow in our relationship with Christ because we're not trying to deceive Christ as if we ever could. As if we could ever in our lives put a facade that covers not only the front, but that covers us totally, that God wouldn't be able to see. No, but God knows. God knows the very depth and the core of our hearts. The Pharisees continue to do battle. Jesus earlier on, or actually in in the gospel according to Luke, in Luke 8, Jesus told him, he says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. But the Pharisees continued to reject Jesus, and so they continued to remain in darkness. Do you know that each one of us is 
controlled either by light or by darkness. We're controlled either by truth or by a lie. The frightening thing is, is that some people have so, so hardened themselves that they can't really tell the difference anymore. They've hardened themselves to the, to the wooing of the enemy of our souls as he comes and tries to direct us. They've, they've hardened themselves to the attractions of the world. They've hardened themselves to, uh, again, the, the, the very call of the flesh to where, hey, sometimes I'm in the flesh, sometimes I'm in the spirit, and I don't know which one I'm at. What a horrible situation that is because they're not allowing the truth to really come in. They're not allowing the light of the gospel to come in and really reveal the truth of their lives. They're covered by a facade of religious activity, and in reality, they're following darkness rather than light. Unfortunate reality is, is, yeah, I believe in churches all over, and for years, that reality, that truth is there. That if we don't open up our understanding, if we don't open up our eyes, our hearts, the very core of our lives to God's truth, and then respond correctly to that truth once we know it, we build up these layers of facade. And each time we hear the truth and we don't respond accordingly to the direction of that truth, we place another layer of religious facades before us. And it becomes harder and harder for us to be led and moved by that truth when we hear it. Even when the light of the world stood right before these Pharisees, they remained in darkness. Even when the truth of God was spoken, they continued to rest within that facade of religion. What a sad situation. What a desperate situation that is for them. But then I wonder how many today are in that same situation. We hear the truth, but we don't respond to it. The light comes in, but there's no change in the reality of our lives. We next see that one of the Pharisees invites him to dinner, and you, you think, well, hey, that's really nice, okay? He wants to have fellowship with Jesus until you realize, no, the reason why he invites him to dinner, because he wants to catch him. He, he wants to catch him in something that he says or something that he does. Look down in verse 37. As Jesus spoke, a, a certain Pharisee asked him to come and dine with him. And so he went in and sat down to eat. What the Pharisee wanted to do is, yeah, he wanted to have Jesus for dinner. Okay, no, you do, do you understand what I'm saying? He wanted to have Jesus for dinner, okay? But Jesus understood and knew. He, he knew the hearts of all men. He didn't come in foolishly. He didn't come in blind. But it does say he went in and he sat down to eat. Went in and sat down to eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, he marveled that Jesus had not first washed before dinner. <laughs> do you get the picture there? Again, you, you need to understand, Jesus understood exactly what was going on. Jesus understood the traditions of the elders. He understood what was supposed to take place according to these Pharisees. But I think very purposefully, he just went in and sat down. And, and you need to understand about this washing. This isn't the fact that your third grader has been playing out in the mud all day and it's time for dinner. Oh my goodness, wash those hands. No, this was that ceremonial ritual washing that the Pharisees had, and they had it down pat. They knew how many times you had to dip your hands, how many eggshells of water had to be poured over your hands to get this ritual, this ceremonial cleanliness. And again, Jesus wasn't going to play any of those Pharisaical games. You look at it, they had very little to do about cleanliness and everything to do with religious ritual. Again, it was a facade 
It was a tradition of the elders. It wasn't the law of God. Jesus didn't break any of the laws of God, but he cared nothing about the traditions of the elders. We hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard today is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We meet Saturday evenings and twice on Sunday morning, as well as throughout the week. For more information about when we meet for worship, including driving directions, log on to theopenword.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now here's Tracy with some more important information about how you can help support The Open Word. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. And as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. Today's broadcast was professionally produced and God has given us a vision to see The Open Word expand into other parts of the world. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to TheOpenWord.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Tracy. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God richly bless you.